Hi, and welcome to the WealthStack podcast. It's Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we are incredibly excited to have a longtime friend and a very important influencer in the world of wealth tech, Lori Hardwick, who is the CEO of Wealth Tech at Red Rock Strategic Partners. Lori, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Mark. This is so exciting in your new role and congratulations on that. You guys are kicking it out of the park these days. So excited to be here with you. We appreciate that. And thank you for saying it. It's been probably too long since we've actually had a conversation. So I, I'm excited that our first rec- conversation in several years will be recorded <laughs> and will <laughs> well, be for public I guess, consumption. I guess we'll figure out later if we're glad or not glad that was <laughs> recorded. But I actually think it's you know, sadly a good thing that it's been uh, several years since we've connected. You've been busy. You, you've mm-hmm. been on a number of different boards. And obviously, a lot has happened right over the last yeah. several years. And wealth tech has really evolved and changed, you know, not just from a technology perspective, but from the end mm-hmm. user's perspective. And the Wealth Stack podcast is really, as we've shared, you know, all about growth and how do you use technology to actually drive growth, improve your efficiency, become more product- productive all that. Um, so I'm curious just to you know, get into it with you a little bit about some of the things that are emerging that are innovative and changing the way advisors work, um, changing the experience that they're creating and delivering to clients and ultimately helping to drive growth. But before we get into the specifics, if you wouldn't mind, we met way back when you were at Investnet and Pershing, mm-hmm. but you've been quite busy uh, over the last several years. So would you mind giving our audience an overview of some of the companies and the projects that you're working on right now? Of course, I'd be happy to. So yes, I, uh, as you know, I was with Investnet for 16 years, uh, one of the original partners there, and then moved on to Pershing at COO. After that, I did. I, I founded my own company called Advisor Innovation Labs. It went by AI Labs. And we're going to get into a little bit of that um, kind of mission later today, but I sold that company in March, uh, right before the shutdown, like March 6th. Um, so I know, great timing, story of my life. Um, so now I really just, I sit on three different boards. I am chairman of Vestwell, uh, which is a retirement solutions uh, TAMP, and then I am also on the board of Orion, uh, which is also merged with Brinker now, and they have some really exciting things um, that are going on that I'm anxious to touch on today as well. And also Satera Financial Group. So they are um, also working on a lot of technology. I mean, tech just seems to be the driving force, especially for all these firms that are really wanting to grow and do it more official, efficiently and scalably. Um, so it's it's kind of, you know, what my, I believe my whole career has kind of led me to. And so sitting on these boards has been really fun. I'm also on the strategic advisory board of GenStar, who happens to own half of Orion and also fully outright owns Satera. Um, so that's what I'm up to these days. I also do consulting on the side. So... <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, keeping very, very busy. And the, the three companies, Satera, Vestwell, and Orion, which we'll talk about in a little bit more detail here now, are companies that I've known for a long time. And I've been very impressed, you know, not just over the years, but with how you know, quickly they're all evolving and really how much of an impact they're having in very different ways. Um, and that's one of the things about your you know, perch, if you will, that makes for such an interesting you know, perspective and conversation here. You're seeing it's a totally different 
you know, corners of the industry yeah. um, with each of these companies. So I am curious, I mean, at a very, very high level, um, whether it's company specific or solution specific, what are some of the things of the last you know, year or so um, that you've noticed in terms of emerging technologies or innovative technologies that are having the biggest impact on the way advisors work? Well, interestingly, it's something that the first thing that comes to mind is something that actually kind of improves the way advisors work from the back end. And so one of the firms that I advise to is called Jiffy AI, and it's a business process automation tool set. They, you know, kind of do a full outsourcing of center of excellence for these firms. And many of the firms that I'm on the board of are using them or another firm that is helping them kind of build out and streamline processes that they do every day and that advisors are trying to get done quickly every day. So when I look at any advisor's app stack, I look for where the efficiencies are and where the capacity is built. Because obviously, as you're trying to grow your practice, you're trying to get rid of the bottlenecks anywhere in the system. And so these larger firms, Orion, Cetera, even Bestwell, are really trying to help that advisor build that efficiency from the back end to the front end. And a lot of advisors, I think, look at the front end you know, obviously that's kind of all they can look at, but, yeah. you know, they, they look at that front end tool to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to be able to navigate this well. It's user, you know, user-friendly. My clients will be able to navigate it. It is going to be, you know, a good way for me to get the data I need to be a better advisor. And, and that's fine because, you know, like I said, there, it's hard to, to look at it any other way. But I would really challenge people to talk about the backend functionality. How long does it take to open an account? How long does it take me to get this data? How frequently is the data, you know, uh, re, you know, reconciled and, and put back up for transparency to me? Is it real time or is it end of day? And those are the things that all of the companies that I work with are kind of grappling with right now to make sure that the advisors have the best possible experience from front end all the way to the back end. And how does that, just out of curiosity, I think I, I know how you might answer, but if mm -hmm. you have that in place, how does that you know, not only improve the advisor's experience, but ultimately what's the impact on you know, the end client, right? And the, the, the client experience. Yeah, well, it's all, you know, it's all about timing when, you know, a lot of the firms today are looking for these business process automation tools, not only for to scale their business and to create more throughput more, you know, as, as quickly as possible in response times. But it's also now being created and a new need is being created because of the shortage of talent. And especially in these kind of, you know, entry level jobs where a lot mm -hmm. of it is data input or output or moving it around because it's so hard to hire people and keep them. A lot of the firms today need these tools in order to replace you know, kind of what's going on with the shortage of labor. And, and it's somewhat actually sad to see, Mark, because, you know, <laughs> everyone has said, you know, oh, we're afraid we're going to get replaced by robots. And meanwhile, they now don't want the job. So we have to replace them with robotics. Right, I mean, right. You have no option. We have to stay in business. So it's, it is 
I think going to be unfortunate for those who are looking for entry level positions, you know, in the next two to three years, because they don't want the jobs right now. Yeah. It's uh, funny. We you know, talk about M&A quite a bit on one of our other podcasts, RAA Edge, and the the line, it's easier to acquire talent in this industry than it is to hire talent, um, yeah. has been said a lot over the last couple of months, that is for sure. Um, so thank you sir, for bringing that into focus in the, the tech space as well, where it actually might be even harder right? um, right. than it is in some of the client facing and some of the you know, power planner and junior advisor role. I, I am curious, you know, just looking at some of the specific companies that you work with. And maybe if it's okay with you, we could start with Vestwell, um, because I was sure. really interested when I saw that you joined to lead the lead the board. One, what drew you to that? I've known Aaron and the team for a while, and I've been incredibly impressed um, with what you know, he's built over there. Um, and I think in the retirement space, we just actually announced yesterday the launch of RPA Edge, Retirement Plan Advisor Edge, where we are yes, looking to bring great. retirement planning and wealth management together. And obviously technology will play a, a key role in that. But what drew you to, to Vestwell and what are some of the things that they're working on that you think will help to improve the day in the life of a retirement plan advisor and their clients? Yeah. I mean, that's a really easy answer for me. <laughs> like, it, honestly, the team is awesome. And, you know, like you said, Aaron Shum is a fantastic leader and he also has a great vision. But really, what drew me to that, to be part of that team and, and part of the leadership working with Aaron on the board is, um, you know, the mission. The mission is so clear. And there is such a massive problem in the U.S. with allowing for every U.S. citizen to have a way of really ease of retirement, building retirement funds. And so workplace savings is kind of how we we term it now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's expanding massively. We're actually the only platform in the whole US that has a modern look and feel that allows both the like all the elements of you know the services chain of you know value chain, including record keepers and you know and advisors, of course, all the way down to have full transparency into what is happening into the sub accounting, and of course for the end clients to be able to see that. So when you look at traditional ways that people were you know saving for retirement, a lot of people don't have jobs where they can just go you know, open a 401k or, you know, even know or be educated enough about IRAs. And so to, for someone to walk into a Schwab and, you know, try to do that, it was cumbersome and it wasn't automatic. And it, it made, it just kind of furthered the divide between those haves and have nots. So when you look at what Vestwell is doing, they're bringing this workplace savings, both at the state government level, as well as to enterprises to allow for even Uber drivers to have a way to, you know, save $5 a day or however they want to think about their, you know, kind of stockpile of retirement funds. It really, I believe is going to change the way Americans think about retirement and more so give them some confidence in what they're doing for the future. That's that's a really big thing that I think a lot of us take for granted, you know, kind of having that nest egg to fall back on. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's uh it's it's 
ironic in a lot of ways, you know, having just you know, started relatively recently, a new job and going through the whole rollover process, how antiquated it still is in many ways. Um, you know, it yeah. still requires putting things in the mail, <laughs> getting paper <laughs> checks, right. Doing things a very old school way. Right. Um, on the same time, I mean, we just had Danny Fava on the Wellstock podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about embedded embedded finance, right? It's so easy for you to set up an Acorns account or something like that in a matter of minutes from your phone, right? So the retirement right. space just seems like it has so far to go. Uh, I'm curious, you know, as, as you look at that space in particular, you know, where are we just in sort of the, the evolution of retirement tech, if you will? So, and we'll use sports analogies, playing a nine <laughs> inning game right now. Yeah. feels to me like we're in the first, but curious from your perspective where we might be. Yeah, I think it, you know, it kind of depends on which firm you're looking at. Um, <laughs> from the participants' perspective, let's let yeah. look at okay. it. Okay. Well, even then, yeah. honestly, you know, yeah. I mean, when you look back at, you know, kind of where we've been with very antiquated solutions, as you said, very little mm -hmm. transparency, very in inability to change the way that you're allocated and or what investments you even have access to within those, you know, retirement solutions that has moved, it has moved down the continuum. Now with Vestwell, we are now offering managed accounts. We're one of the first yeah. in the nation to do that through retirement solutions. We also are ready when the rest of the world is. And once it gets approved for crypto and to be able to utilize blockchain as part of our, um, process for opening accounts. So we are ready and able. That's the difference of having kind of this modernized platform versus mm -hmm. something that is built, you know, was built, you know, a lot of times 30, 40, 50 years ago that um, firms are having a hard time moving out of. But I will say many of Vestwell's clients are very large, large, large reputable institutions yeah. that have decided we no longer need to hang on to the long, you know, to this antiquated way. So I would say we're probably, you know, an innings fourth, somewhere in there. It's, okay. you know, Vestwell is pushing it um, in a big Good. way, but it is, it, it's, you know, people are slow to adopt new technology. That's nothing new. Um, I yeah. think advisors really appreciate what they're doing because especially those advisors that don't do all their work with retirement and, uh, you know, business owners all the time, Vestwell's a really great platform for those people who do one or two a year um, because they make it just so easy and they have specialists that kind of help you bring on those, those plans for you. So it, it's just a really nice way for advisors to play a role and not have to be experts there. Yeah. And it, it should go without saying just the, the constituents in the retirement world, and whether it's the broker dealers or the record keepers, mm -hmm. um, they have their own technology platforms, right? So connecting the dots between all of right. this is not a simple thing that happens overnight. So fourth inning is good. It's actually better than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So looking at just shifting gears a little bit to Satera and Orion and even just you know, the lens that you have at you know, GenStore into the, you know, I've known both of those companies for quite some time and they are definitely evolving and innovating in so many different ways. Maybe you could give us an overview of some of the things that they've been working on. And I'll just use March sort of 2020, right? As a starting sure. point here, because sure. I think you know, in a lot of cases, that's when the entire industry went virtual, you know, overnight, right? Some better than others, but 
I look at that as you know BC, right? Um, and uh, the way advisors work with their clients, the the extent to which they relied on technology to do their businesses, right? And some of the growth that these firms experienced was really incredible. So since then, I'm curious, you know, what needs have emerged and what solutions have both of those firms been working on? Sure. So obviously, from Satera's standpoint, I see things from you know the broker dealer side of the world, the bank side of the world. Um, and how those advisors are reacting and, and building, continuing to build their practices. And then on the Orion side, it's almost all RIAs. They mm-hmm. are, in, are starting their um, kind of enterprise platform and starting to go there. But it's, you know, I got the bird's eye view for how RIAs are utilizing the technology. So it's kind of looking at the bookends of both sides of the industry, which I really love. And of course, there's areas that do converge. So let's start with Satera. They, um, since that March, 2020, obviously most advisors were already working out of their own home offices. So that didn't affect, you know, the advisors as much as it did the service and um, support functionality at Satera, where all of those teams, and obviously this was felt across our whole industry, all those teams who are used to talking to each other and collaborating and saying, hey, do you know the answer to this? We're then sitting in their own, you know, homes trying to answer these questions individually. So we did definitely feel a bump there. Since that time, though, we have delivered what's called advice works. And this had been in motion for, thank God, for like two years prior, where we were building out a whole entire infrastructure platform that was really a hub for information, content, marketing, all of the client data, CRM info, all of it, all in one place. And so we had just started releasing that when you know, when COVID came and it really could not have been better timed. I mean, of course, with any new technology advisors, you know, have questions. And so that kind of was a little bit, you know, needing some more calls to be answered at that those moments. But sure. it definitely was something that has allowed advisors to lean in to using technology in a more effective way. I think for many, many years, advisors just call, they know who to call for what they've learned their village of people that can tell them what, who to go for what and how to get it done. And so having kind of this blip in our, you know, our whole culture of how we work has created this notion of advisors to be able to kind of adopt technology when maybe prior they were resistant So that has been, in my opinion, a really good thing that's come out of it. And I have talked to many of the advisors who also agree um, that they were resistant before and that they did, they were forced to lean in. And oh, by the way, hey, we have great technology. I had no idea this stuff lived in there. So it's, it's been that, you know, for better or worse, that's been a good thing. Um, And clients who may have been resistant too. I mean, they had no choice, right? So that absolutely changed the dynamic too. Totally. I think that also advisors sometimes 
also want their clients to call them for everything. They, they are like, I don't want to give them the tech because then they won't call mm -hmm. me and I want to know what they're thinking. And I need to be the person um, that they're going to call and, and think through things with. And so again, because there was this bottleneck of no one being able to see anything or being able to call. And obviously the advisors teams were also all spread out at that time. So they, you know, also started to release more technology to the end clients than they had prior because they're like, oh, this will answer your questions. Just go to this page or go to this link. So again, I think it pushed everyone forward. And like you said, those clients that were maybe resistant to tech prior are now you know, utilizing it and thinking, mm -hmm. how did I live, ever live without this? So where I do think there's evolution to be had across the whole industry, um, not speaking about Sentara, but the whole industry is that most of the end client fun functionality, features and functionality that they have access to today are still kind of read-only. They're, you know, in that stagnant state that they can mm -hmm. see the reports and they can see who owns what and if it went up or down and how much money they've added. But exact, you know, having the option to actually move money between accounts or prompt rebalancing or do actions inside of that technology has been slower to be released. And I don't know exactly why, but I do know that, you know, when I was at Pershing, of course, the thought process was, well, no, those conversations really need to be had with the advisor because if the, you know, if they take money out and, you know, the advisor's chasing it down, they got to have, you know, it's kind of like a hurdle to have to call yeah. your advisor that, you know, yep. <laughs> to say, I want money. So it's my money. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think though, over the next, you know, even two to three years, we're going to see a lot more control put in the hands of the clients from a digital perspective because they are demanding it. You know, mm -hmm. they just, they don't want to pick up the phone and have to ask for that. So, um, yeah, no, it, yeah. It, it's, a, it's an incredible sort of evolution and it's interesting how much seems to be sticking, right. Even as right. we hopefully pivot and go back to the new, new normal, whatever that may look like. <laughs> right. uh, and you did also mention, um, Orion and the RIA side as the other yeah. bookend, Really curious because you know we've known the Orion team for quite some time. We've reported on Orion both on the editorial side and the wealthmanagement.com side, and also on the WealthStack side. Orion will be participating in the WealthStack conference May 31st or June 3rd. And I think that they're, you know, it's hard to say who is the most innovative because it's very subjective, but they are absolutely at the top of the list, both in terms of innovation and influence. Um, so what are some of the things that Orion's working on and some of the things that you're learning about the RIA market through the role that you have on their board? Sure. So, you know, the uh, Orion, oh my gosh, they do have so many really cool initiatives going on. And as you know, throughout the course of, you know, again, going back to March, 2020, since then they have acquired a number of different companies, one on the compliance side to help advisors with, you know, getting ahead of their compliance exams and audits. One, obviously hidden lovers, that is a stress testing of all the technology. They just prior to that, they'd buy um, are acquired uh, advisor, which is the mm -hmm. financial planning piece that is fully integrated into the Orion platform. And um, they also have marketer, which really helps advisors kind of reach out to their to their clients and keep, you know, kind of like content specific, personalized information in front of those clients. So 
So with all of that together, you know, that platform is extremely robust. And I didn't even talk about the Brinker side of it, mm-hmm. which is obviously the whole new investment management side. And CLS and FTJ are now up underneath that whole big, really institutionalized 32 years of, you know, long-term experience of investing in, you know, portfolios for advisors and their clients. And that has, so as we've looked at how, Orion is emerging out of that. You know, you've got the TAMP side, which is um, continuing to be, you know, continuing to grow and, you know, their their investments have done very well too. So that, that mm-hmm. doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, but they, they, you know, sometimes serve clients directly just into that TAMP. And, and right now that's pretty frequent. You know, those TAMP, those advisors using the TAMP, whether they be investment broker-dealer affiliated advisors or RIAs, they have a huge mix of both, um, are starting to kind of look at the tech side of Orion, which is, of course, the rebalancing tools, all the billing, mm-hmm. reporting, all the pieces that kind of, you know, obviously keep an advisor's practice glued together and, you know, very scalable and efficient. So th- what's interesting is, and I, of course, saw this kind of happen when I was at Investnet and we bought Tamarack, you know, RIAs, people who are RIAs and managing their own ad- own accounts are their mindset is different than someone who's going to outsource everything to a brinker. And we, you know, again, we saw this when I was at Investnet, I'm kind of seeing that movie again, whereas you think that there's going to be way more kind of like offsetting cross-sell opportunities. Where the cross-sell opportunities are, though, are in the tax overlay management. Everyone wants that. Everyone wants stress testing, proposal generation. You know, a lot of people want the marketing. And um, the compliance and oversight affects everybody as well. So, you know, as we look at kind of those ancillary pieces of the platform that makes Orion so robust, that is where people are flocking to from both sides versus going to the core. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're at a point now where they are truly a platform Uh, and they look a lot like the way an RIA thinks and works, right? right that's right. Um, which is really interesting to see how they've evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as you kind of look out across the rest of this year, what are, just from the RIA perspective, what are some of the sort of biggest problems you know, that Orion is solving for right now? I know you mentioned some of them, but I'm curious if there's yeah. one particular area that our audience should be watching out for. I think it's honestly, there's two. It's tax overlay tools mm-hmm. that are embedded in the products that allow the advisor to be prompted in the end client when and if there's a better mousetrap for that yep. client to achieve their goals. On that side, we're seeing a lot. Um, on the other side of things, it's hidden levers. People are really starting to figure out ways to stress test their portfolios, particularly now in these times of kind of more volatility. It was fine when things were kind of just up, up, up. Um, But now that there's more volatility, I see that advisors, RIAs in particular, really can use that additional research and stress testing overlay to help them have deeper conversations with their clients, quite frankly, about how, you know, how they're positioned if X happens. It's it's interesting because I think years ago, I did a research project and one of the, it was really focused on high net worth and mass affluent investors. And 
remember talking to some of the participants that worked with advisors, and we were just really trying to understand why they use an advisor in very simple terms. And it was amazing how many used a financial advisor because they wanted somebody who knows how to do risk management, right? They don't think of it as risk management, um, but that was far more important. You know, the downside protection, insulated right. portfolio, than outperformance, right? In That's many exactly ways. Right. Uh, so uh, you know, the industry is getting there. It, on the institutional side, you know, it's been there forever. You know, on the, the retail right. side, um, you know, I think we've made the industry has made some good progress. I should say, um, I can't contribute to or take credit for any of it um, over the last couple of years here. So thank you for highlighting that. And, and I, I should just end on a final question about, you know, you mentioned several acquisitions that have taken place over the last couple of years. Um, you know, we talk about M&A quite a bit and you have a viewpoint into it, obviously, that is really, I step back and I look at even just yesterday, you know, for Wealthstack, I was looking at all the logos for the sponsors that we're having. And there are so many companies in this space, companies I've yeah. never heard of that didn't exist. I look at Kitsis's map and every day, it seems like there's a new company out there. And there has been obviously more and more M&A. Um, so what's your outlook for M&A activity in 2022 for the wealth tech industry? And is it good for the advisor in the end? Well, I, I, you know, I constantly struggle with is, you know, one end-to-end platform better for, a, you know, these large enterprise platforms one platform better for a advisor to like have everything plugged in that is an integrated, even though it may not be what they consider best of breed at every single point solution, or is it better to have kind of point solutions that you mm. do think are best of breed and use APIs to bring it together and weave it together to have your own, you know, your own platform. In other words, even if you're a small RIA, you know, that's actually what AI Labs was doing when yeah. I created that company was really bringing these point solutions together into one consolidated platform so advisors could pick and choose what they wanted. So that is, I still think, an open, a very open-ended question with a huge question mark in it. Obviously, there's people that hug both ends of that. I do think that for emerging firms, it is somewhat difficult to get traction without having fully built out APIs into the bigger institutional platforms like Orion, like InvestNet, like, you know, AssetMart. It's just really hard to get traction if you're not integrated. And, and that is not great, I don't think, for our industry. We shouldn't have the, you know, the big guys figuring out who's going to you know, actually succeed or not. Um, mm-hmm. so, but, yeah. but, but, but it is actually, it is playing out that way. So I, I do think that you were going to see a lot more on both sides of the fence. I know that Orion, you know, we're continually building out that platform. There's going to be more and more that come into that platform to make it streamlined for advisors. And to make those advisors love us and never, ever want to leave. Same at Cetera. They're building out as much as they can in-house so that, and outsourcing some of those functions, you know, to bring in-house, to have available for advisors to use, but, you know, they don't want them leaving their hub. In other words, I do think that there's some really cool new technology out there, particularly in the aging market, like dealing with aging parents, Mm -hmm. dealing with, there's a new firm called Careful that is really interesting. Um, And I think that, you know, if, 
if possible, it would be great to have these kind of new emerging point solutions be able to be plugged into the bigger hubs. And mm -hmm. that would be, in my opinion, the very best way to kind of see the outcome of this so that advisors can enjoy the efficiencies, but still pick their own best of breed solution that they consider, you know, better than another for whatever reason. Yeah, it's a really nice way to articulate where we are. And I appreciate you sharing that. We're actually working to put together a wealth stack study where we're trying to understand not just the buying patterns right, of advisors, but essentially you know, how aligned their needs are with the different options that are out there. And this idea of having you know, your single sort of central nervous system, you know, the tech stack that you just take off the shelf versus how do you mm -hmm. plug in these you know, sort of specialized you know, pieces of technology. That is a huge issue. Um, and I appreciate you mentioning that company Careful, right? Because that uh, is not a company that I'm familiar with. That is absolutely, absolutely. When we think about you know problems that technology can help solve, or one of the biggest yeah. problems out there, you know, and it's one of the main reasons that investors and clients go to advisors. Um, so thank you for taking some time just to walk through the last two and a half, three years, <laughs> if not more. It's been a while. Um, but is there anything that we didn't touch on here today before we let you run, Laurie, um, that you think would be important for our audience to know just around you know, emerging or you know, new innovations in wealth tech? You know, the only other thing I would mention is that, you know, one of the really clear things that I see right now are that that the big broker dealers are, you know, kind of finding ways to build out platforms that are attractive to RIA minded advisors within their their construct. So, you know, there, I see this blending of IBD and RIA along the yep. next few years. And I also see RIAs, honestly, coming into Satera interested in, you know, having that whole infrastructure built around them where they can, you know, use it, but continue to have their own RIA. And so obviously, you know, LPLs had a solution like that for a while, but we are starting to see a lot more traction there, both by way of, you know, new enterprises coming to firms like Orion saying, you guys know RIA. How do we build an RIA platform so we don't lose our best advisors once they get to X threshold of assets, they leave and go independent? How do we mm -hmm. build something that really looks and feels like what they need once they get to that point. So we see it from the enterprise side. We also see it from the advisor side, kind of moving back towards the enterprises um, that have platforms that are thoughtful and really, you know, attract an RIA minded advisor. So I do think it's a new trend and I see it happening a lot. So I thought it was worth mentioning. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you again for stopping by the Wealthstack podcast. We really appreciate it, Lori. It's been a pleasure reconnecting with you. You as well. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining here today. Just a reminder that the Wealthstack conference is May 31st through June 3rd at the Diplomat in Hollywood, Florida. You can get more information at informaconnect.com slash edge. Uh, Lori, thank you again for joining us. And on behalf of the wealth management team, I'm Mark Bruno. We'll see you in the next episode of the Wellstack Podcast. Mm -hmm.